you've already heard it all. But now you resonate. The world has pushed you out of what you thought you knew, your comfort zone, and into this strange place, this slightly off reality. Welcome to the Truth Serum Podcast, hosted by the controversial and funny Dom Bates, author, mother, human, and all-round thought leader. The time has come to realign your essence with your experience. We all know this world is changing. You're here now because you've personally felt it, and your reality has reflected The Truth Serum Podcast, getting to the root of what really is. And now, Don Bates. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. And today's show, I didn't just say cats in the corner and dogs on the armchair, or whichever way I normally say it, because I've had a bit of a break from recording uh, episodes of The Truth Serum while we figure out and get propagated across all the, um, the new platforms that you will find us on. So this is another episode of The Truth Serum with me, your host, Dawn Bates. And today I have uh, a lady with me. Um, from uh, the United States. She's in an area called Charlotte. And there are two things that happen to me when I think of the name Charlotte. I think of a friend of mine in the UK, and then I also think of the Raspberry Charlotte uh, dessert. Um, (laughs) There's always food somewhere in my brain. Um, And today I've got with me um, a lady called Tambri Harris. Um, She is part of an organization um, called survivors to thrivers.com. And those of you who have been listening to the episodes and who know me, you know that I'm an advocate and I'm a fierce advocate to um, deal with things that are going on in the world and having the conversations that are sometimes very uncomfortable for people. So today's episode might be uncomfortable for some of you. Uh, and I invite you to look into that discomfort that comes up for you if it comes up. And um, I'm not going to say too much about Tambri because that's going to, as she uh, steps up in a moment and tells you more about herself, um, she will share with you the best things that she wants to t- say about herself. Um, getting a bit tongue-tied there. One of the things that we both believe is that you can either become stay somebody who is surviving something or you can go on to thrive hence the name of survivors to thrivers there is no reason in today's world where we do where we cannot thrive so tambri welcome to the truth serum and thank you so much for being here now could you share with us a little bit about how we got connected and what it was that um, made you reach out and a little bit about yourself, please. Absolutely. Um, I guess a little bit of my background is that um, to get to the, the, the tough conversation that you alluded to a minute ago, mm. I am both a, um, a survivor of childhood sexual abuse 
and a victim of domestic violence. And those two were tied. Those two things are tied. And, and I'll talk a little bit more about why they're tied. But I've been doing my healing work for years. And, you know, four years ago, when the hashtag Me Too Voices really became loud and a lot of people started stepping forward and being clear about, you know, this happened to me as well. To me, that was a very pivotal moment where people were finding their voice and, and speaking their truth. My fear though, so I was happy for that, but my fear was that then what? Okay, they raised mm -hmm. their hands, they said me too, the hands go down, they go back into what you mentioned a minute ago, survivor mode. And what survivor mode means to me is that we're functioning. And a lot of times you, if you think about the iceberg analogy, you know, what's above the waterline looks mm -hmm. pretty good, but below the waterline is a hot mess. And no, we're absolutely. just trying to swim through it. And so for me, what my hope is for people is to recognize that there is more to life than just only having that portion of you, that acceptable portion of you be seen. And a lot of times it's our limiting beliefs that mm -hmm. keep stuck. And so for me, a limiting belief that was created when I was itty bitty was I am not worthy. I was not seen, I was not heard, I was not allowed to have a voice. And I believe that I am not worthy led me to not be, to feel like I was not worthy of a true, true loving relationship, thus marrying abusers. And so until I got to those limiting beliefs and, and, and it took a while to rewire those, those nerves. Yeah, I can imagine it would do. Um, and so it took a while so for me, how we got connected is that I want to shine light on the topic. I want to shine light, one, to make it something that we can have conversations about, that survivors can find people to support them and they can really do that healing work to move into thriving. And so I love, and there's several things I'd love to talk about, truth, points of truth with you today. And I just love that you're an advocate for some of the tough topics. So it's just really an honor to be here with you. Thank you. It's an honor to have you here because like we were saying that there aren't that many people that do want to talk about it and the people that do want that do talk about it. I don't feel a lot of the time they're actually doing it any justice. It's, it's almost like they're paying lip service to it all. Um, and um, for those of you who are listening, um, some of you may be surprised to know that um, I've also experienced uh, abuse in my life. My first book in the sacred series, Moana speaks of the, the gang rape that I went through back in 2017 and um, how it happened to me before. And the, the patterns of behavior and the work that we have to do within ourselves, because we're the ones that are attracting this in a certain way, whether that is we're not valuing ourselves or keeping ourselves safe or we're putting ourselves in situations or we have a particular someone, as in my case, that is in our lives, that things started to go wrong the moment that person came into my life. Um, and it's about looking at the common denominators. And one of the things that I wanted to discuss, and I'm so glad that you raised it, was the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. Because... What I noticed um, and one of the things that I know to be true is that there are women out there that want so desperately to belong to something 
that they have damaged so many men's lives by saying me too Mm. um, and had false accusations. So one of the things I wanted to discuss with you today is how do you feel when we're talking about these things, when we're looking at the survivors to the thriver movement, um, when a woman goes through um, the violation of her body and the loss of power and control over her own body and men, because it, you know, it happens to men as well. It's not just women who are raped. A lot of women are raping men, you know, and men go through it and men rape men. It's, it's a very difficult conversation. And in the first podcast episode of the sacral series, where my co-host Adam and I were discussing this with Sandra Rollis, who is a fabulous uh, womb healing and um, uh, she, oh, she's just an incredible woman. Like the work she does in this area is phenomenal. Um, but we were discussing how is the, are things like the Me Too movement and using words um, such as we, we were discussing gaslighting and narcissism um, and blaming other people. What is, what is it do you think that has women not want to speak up? And then when they do speak up, why do you think that other people want to jump on board that bandwagon and feel part of it? I know it's a very loaded question, um, but it's, it, it's all connected. Like you're saying, everything is connected and we, we do need to discuss this. Wow, yeah, so... Um... First question you asked is why often do people not speak up about why it, why it happened? Mm. I think that so many times, and this is again one of the things that really hurts my heart, is that we we victimize the victim. You know, the person to whom it happens, we blame them. You know, yeah. and, you know. In my case, um, I was I was again I think about five, and so I was silenced at that time. And, and I'm one of those people who repressed those memories. Mm. They came back in a panic attack that was triggered in my 30s. So wow. I could say, okay, why are you coming out now? Mm. It's because I suppressed the memories until, and they say that um, we will suppress the memories until our, we are ready to be able to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing for me is it happened around that when my daughter was around five. And so when my daughter was about the age I was, Ooh. my stuff came out. So mm. I think I kind of had to do, um, if you've done any kind of like internal family systems work or parts work, um, you, you have your the little girl part. I think yeah. I need my little girl part to be healed, begin healing, to be present for my own exactly. daughter. So there's that part of, okay, will they even believe me? And part of it also was all the stories, how this person had been um, represented for so many years. I mean, and I still am protecting this person. Um, but then how this person was represented was so positive. It's like, could this be true? Am I making this up? How could this be my reality? And so having to, one thing that I think is wonderful that's come to be is, um, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. Have you heard yeah. of it? Yeah. 
so that was, I'm a very intuitive person. And so I know what I believe. I know what I know, but now we've got these researchers who have proven it, you know, have done all this research and these correlations to identify um, the fact that, like, for example, I had someone tell me, Cambry, just let the past be the past. Well, yeah. it's all well and good until your body revolts against you and you've got all kinds of different pain or diseases and those kind of things. So A, answering your question, I think that a lot of it's because we don't know what we believe. Two, I question the, um, you know, the circumstances or those kinds of things. Like, again, here's an example. I was raped in my marriage. Some people with 30% of women are raped within their marriage. And so, so, and so, so but you're married to that. How could mm-hmm. that be? And so you get challenged unless mm-hmm. who are informed around, well, you know what, when you're pinned down and you're crying and you just want to go away, that's pretty much definition of rape. And yeah. so I think that a lot of times um, there's all these different layers. So it's interesting. I wish I had the statistic when you, the second part of your question was, um, you know, why do people want to jump on the bandwagon? And I wish I had the statistics. I think that's a low percentage of people. I can't speak to it. I don't know if you know or not. Uh, I think it's a low percentage of women who actually kind of um, say it happened to them, but it really didn't. So that, that part I can't quite speak to around, around that because in my experience, it's pretty much been the women have been shamed and silenced and, you know, all of a sudden we've got... Um, you know, they're trying to find their voice and then they, their family, their friends, whoever, they become uncomfortable. You talked about this being an uncomfortable topic. They become uncomfortable. And so we go back into our silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there is something that, um, that we're seeing because, um, and I don't remember the exact statistics because, I mean, I, I knew it when I wrote uh, Moana um, I know it is a very low uh, I, I'm not even going to say but from memory I, I have it from memory um, but um, we were looking at it because we were saying you know the devastating effect that crying rape actually has on somebody else's life um, and I actually know um, of a, uh, a woman from where I grew up who cried rape um, and it got all the way until um, the courtroom when she she pushed it and it had gone and you know and it was this guy that he lost his job his wife divorced him he lost everything um, and it was right upon that day before they were due to go into court that she said I lied and it was just like oh my gosh you have destroyed a man's life because you wanted but then when you look at her past history. And when you looked at what was going on before that, again, where you were saying everything is connected, it was it was something that she had within her, something that had happened to her in her childhood that had brought all of this up. And she wanted to speak that truth. But found the inappropriate. Absolutely. And I think this is the thing that we often do victimize the victims in this way you know oh well she she was asking for it you know she was drunk the way she was dressed or you know she stayed late with me at the office or you know she wore a revealing top or what have you and you know we can use all of those excuses I remember when I was living out in Egypt um there was a thing where you know if a woman's out late at night by herself then you know she deserves it she's bringing it on board and it's like 
No one deserves it. No one. When you say no, that means no. And anything that happens beyond that first no is no. And it's it's wrong. Um, But when we victimize these victims um, and we're blaming like five-year-olds or we're blaming um, young girls or we're we're not looking at the root causes of what's making these men or these women create do these violent acts. Um, we are actually, I believe, doing a massive disservice to each and every single one of us because there's trauma underlying. Was the person who did the raping, was there trauma in their family? And again, it's not... Um, making excuses for the perpetrators but is that something that you you go through and you discuss with the the people that you work with through um the the process from surviving to thriving is that something that you work through with them yeah um well first of all let me comment on the that you just said um my the person that sexually abused me as a child had been sexually abused himself so to your point it, it's kind of like the unhealed trauma mm. a lot of times comes out in perpetuating the trauma. And so you do a lot, you'll hear the term generational trauma. Mm-hmm. To me, that's why it's so important to kind of raise this up so that we can have a conversation and encourage the healing so that we can start breaking some of that generational trauma and these patterns that we keep seeing. Mm. Um, so yes, I completely agree. So the way I see it, um, when you, when you have experienced trauma, it's a, there's an important look back and, and that's important to do with a therapist. You know, you need someone to help you process to the level you need to process. There were a lot of memories that did not come back for me. And my therapist said, Tambri, that's okay. You might not be mm-hmm. able to handle it. And so I had enough to be able to work through what I needed to work through. But then I find that we get stuck in the survivor mode uh, that I was talking about earlier. And we've got these limiting beliefs that keep holding us back, whether it be that I've got to keep proving my worth. I've got to keep striving and, and getting all these accomplishments, or I have to keep doing, or I have to keep explaining away bad behavior. You talked about the individual who was in your life. And as soon as he entered your life, everything kind of went bad. We explain away bad behavior. Mm-hmm. All patterns keep us in, in kind of unhealthy patterns and, and paths. And so what survivors to thrivers does is help you look at that. So mm. we're moving through from surviving to thriving. So you can be, begin claiming that, that going forward story, that next chapter of your life. And so really kind of slowing down to see the patterns. Because when you live them, they seem so familiar. I mean, I didn't think about the fact that I was always being attracted to the unhealthy guys and always explaining away the bad behaviors mm. and always trying to strive for the next accomplishment because I didn't feel worthy. That was something I had to slow down and look at and process yep. and, look and say, oh my goodness, what if I claim worthiness? What would that be like? Mm. And how might that manifest itself? Mm. That's a powerful transition because some people, I mean, I, I always say that Everything happens for us, not every uh, rather than happens to us. Um, and when we we create that flip in our mind, okay, this happened. What is it teaching me? What is it gifting me? 
And when you have either lost a child or you found out that, you, you know, your, your child has become a rapist or a murderer, or in this case, that your child has been abused or your child has been raped or you in, yourself has been raped, what is that presenting for you? Where can you learn? Where can you, like you say, claim your worthiness um, and use that as a strong foundation to actually build on something? Because one of the things that um, I like what your therapist was saying is sometimes you're just not able um, or to handle what it is that has happened to you. Um, and I'm in Latin America at the moment and lots of people are like, oh, you're in Latin America. Oh, you should go do ayahuasca. You should go do all this plant medicine. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. My brain is protecting me from what I don't remember for a reason. I don't remember it for a reason and I'm going to trust that. If at some point that comes to light, then it will come to light and I will deal with it then. And some people could say that we're running away from that. But one of the things that I, um, after what happened to me happened in two, uh, happened for me in 2017, um, I was with, I was in, uh, I then flew to New Zealand and I met this lady who said to me, she worked for um, one of the New Zealand rape crisis centers. And she knew instantly, she goes, I, I know it's happened to you. I work for this center. Um, I mean, I was just like, really? Like, yeah. have, I, have, have I got a neon sign somewhere? Have I got a, a, a tattooed on my forehead? Um, but because she worked with people uh, that had been through this, she was able to identify um, my body language. But she was also Maori, so she was also able to uh, read energies and understand all of the stuff that I wasn't able to understand. And we were actually going to write Moana to, uh, for the organization and have it published by them. And then that didn't happen. One thing happened, it didn't, um, which meant that the organization couldn't go ahead because of the change of administration. Then I moved on to the next location. And it wasn't until maybe 18 months, two years later, that I discovered Sandra Rollis, um, who does a lot of this womb healing and this generational clearing. And um, I was like, I just need to do a womb clearing. I need to do a womb clearing. And I did it and I gave birth to this entity, whatever it was inside of me. And I've given birth twice. So I know what giving birth is like. And no word of a lie, my ankles uh, were up against my backside. like, And I just pushed out whatever it was through this meditation that Sandra did. Um, and she has these for free on her website, on YouTube. Um, and three days after I'd given birth to whatever it was, that energy inside of me, the sacral series dropped into my consciousness. And I had throughout my whole life, I'd been, I've had people just come up to me and just share their story with me. Um, and I'm like, and I know that for some people, they find it quite weird that someone's just blurted out their whole life story to me, but I've been gifted so many stories um, and I didn't know what to do with them. These people said, oh, I'd love for you to write my story. You're the only one I trust to make sense of this and to do something good with it. I want you to write it. And three days after releasing that energy and doing that healing and the sacral series dropped in, I have now nine books that are looking at different levels of abuse in the system, within community, within ourselves and within relationships. So what happened 
was very traumatic so traumatic my brain protected me from it took me two weeks to really start walking again and I spent a month on taking anti-HIV tablets um, to prevent me um, getting HIV but going through all of that I was then able to transition and write this really powerful series of books create podcasts and here we are you and I are now having this conversation putting a spotlight on it and saying you know what there are people out there who understand what you've been through we are here to support you you are not alone and you can get through this don't stay stuck in survivor mode you know so I do believe everything happens for a reason and I think there's so much value in in what you're saying around kind of a sense of community I call it my thriver tribe you know, we thrive a tribe and we all might be in different places on our journey from surviving to thriving, but we're all on the journey together. Mm -hmm. And to your point, we have, we have this like level of just knowing, you know, even though you and I's, our stories are going to be very different. There's still a level of knowing that you Mm -hmm. and I have because of what we have experienced. And so Mm -hmm. When I founded the Survivors to Thrivers organization, it was because I really had a heart to try and create this this safe sense of community for others and provide encouragement and healing words. And um, just because of my background, being a leadership life coach and a spiritual director, and you know, I've got the the cred to to do these kind of things. And it's like, okay, this is what I'm back to your point about birthing. It's almost like, okay, all this stuff has come to this point to then be a platform to support other survivors and help them on their journey. And so Mm. I'm hearing your next chapter that you found, you know, of what you're able to do and what you're able to birth. And that's exactly what we hope to do with this organization to encourage others to, one, know there is a next chapter. Absolutely. Like this, this is my story. Here I am. This is it. No, there's so many new chapters to be written by you. Absolutely. So tell us more about Survivors to Thrivers. How did that come about? Because it's not just yourself that works within the organization, is it? You've got a couple of uh, couple of other people with you. I do. So originally, I, I originally what I wanted was I really wanted to just do more um, one-on-one kind of coaching on this topic, like we were talking, as well as holding retreats. Um, what I found is that because there's so much stigma, I mean, people didn't want to be seen showing up at the site for the workshop because then people would know that they had experienced it. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so what happened was I ended up being invited to speak on the topic in different, different places. So whether it be in a church setting, whether it be at a university, whether it be at a fundraiser. And, and it's actually really interesting because when I spoke at the university, it was one of those, you know, I'm not sure how I feel, how I'm gonna, you know, how, how that's gonna feel to me being in front of it was 300 college athletes. And I was like, hmm, I wonder how this is gonna, you know, land on me. It was so beautiful because I saw them from time. I saw, I mean, they, you know, they come in and they're sitting in their seats, you know, they're kind of checked out and they start sitting up as you talk. And, and I'm thinking if I can get them to, to be able to engage on this topic. And, and my message is that uh, we haven't, we, 
you can say one in three. I've heard up to 43% of women have been sexually abused and up to 25% of men. So, I mean, there's some large statistics. So you think about the, the audience, and this is just everybody, but you've got that many people specifically mm-hmm. sitting there. And so my message is if, if it happened to you, then I want you to know that there is, there is healing. There is the next story. There is, you, know, you can look at these limiting beliefs. And, and my hope for like college students or young people is that do your healing work then. Because like I mentioned, my limiting beliefs of not being worthy led me to, you know, marrying abusers. And I married right out of college. And I went into a doctoral program and this guy came and he because I was being successful and he couldn't handle it. And so he took me down and I had to leave that whole life to come back, to leave him and come back and kind of re, rework my, you know, my, my platform, but I didn't do my healing work. And then I ended up marrying another abuser. And then I have a child with him. And okay, now I'm kind of stuck. Um, and so then the, the good news, bad news is he had an affair and left. So that freed me and my daughter of him. But oh my gosh, the trauma that comes from that. Alone. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyway, I love talking to young people because my hope is that they can hear the, the healing message, the, the, the claiming and looking at the limiting beliefs. So I started doing speaking at, at various, just trying to raise awareness on the topic. And someone asked me, and I had developed this retreat, someone asked me to write a book with him, co- co-author. And, and I thought, oh, that could be kind of cool because you've got a male voice and a female voice and all that. Well, long story short, he, um, he ended up not being able to do his part. So I just moved forward with mine, which ended up being beautiful because mm-hmm. then it could be completely um, supportive of my message and my organization. And, and the book is meant to, I use my story, like you mentioned earlier, you know, we have a story, what do we do with it? What I'm trying to do with it is to share it so you don't feel so alone. And mm-hmm. I invite you to look at, you know, those messages you received as a child that might keep you stuck. One of my, one of my family's deals is that we don't, we, we had a lot of death, like people dying in their thirties kind of death. So you don't talk about it. You just move on So any kind mm-hmm. of trauma. You just move on. Well, it's almost like you're brushing the gla- a broken glass underneath a rug and until you sweep it up, that's good. Mm-hmm. That glass is going to keep cutting you every time you walk on it. And mm-hmm. so it's like, what are those kind of things that are in you? And so anyway, so the book was my, one of my offerings to be able to help people to begin doing that internal reflection on their own and begin writing. It's kind of like a journal. You can begin writing your going forward story. So that is one of the offerings that we do. And then we also have, um, and so I have um, a woman who is kind of a, she, she really provides, she's a Unitarian minister. And she provides a lot of beautiful um, ways for us to meet people of a variety of different faiths and, you know, to be able to speak to a variety because I'm a big believer in the mind, body, spirit, healing. We've talked Absolutely. about how the body holds negative energy, but it also our, our spirits get suppressed. So how do we kind of bring whole of us into that next chapter? And then another woman is um, a part of the just community engagement. And right now with um, it being everything being so virtual, what we've done is we've actually, we offer, a, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with the Clubhouse app. Yeah. But 
we have a Survivor Saturday every Saturday from 9.30 to 10.30 where it's, it's basically our Thriver tribe. And so we are there for anybody who wants to come and we, we celebrate any kind of wins that somebody might have had. Like some of us are, are writing books and trying to be able to help support others. And we also kind of sit with people in some of the challenges and the hardships that happen. And there's this kind of blend of, of celebration and being present for one another. And one woman will come on and she always, she opens by saying, hello, family. <laughs> She's just mm-hmm. precious. And it's because a lot of us, our families are not supportive of us. And mm-hmm. so we have self-selected this family to be. And so again, that's about creating that sense of community for people. Yeah, I, I, I think that this is a thing that's really um, important because Sometimes the abusers are within the family um, and um, oftentimes. And I, there were two of the stories that were shared with me that I shared um, in the sacral series. We had Pandora, um, that's book three in the, in the series. Her uncle uh, was the one who abused her um, and he had Pandora's little box. Mm. Um, but the disturbing thing about that story was he also abused her mother, which was his sister when they were growing up. And, but nobody thought that he would do it because he was this big, huge, successful businessman and you know, everybody loved him. Um, and what I've done with the sacral series is I've changed the, I, the nationality or the, um, the, the, the identity of the person to protect the identities because some of these people that I'm writing about, if they their identity was known, then it would cause problems for their families. And this is a thing that a lot of families, they can't handle the fact that this has happened to somebody in their family. And um, within, with the book Layla, um, the really sad thing about her story was she is the daughter of a woman who was raped by somebody in the community. Um, but because of his standing in the community, the family were like, you need to have an abortion because people will know it's him. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have an abortion, we can't keep you. So she was banished from her family because she would not have an abortion. Um, and um, then she, the, her, Layla's mother ends up on the streets and then she gets picked up by a pimp who gives her a home who applies her with drugs and men apparently had the men would send, he would send men to her because they wanted to be with a pregnant woman. Um, and then when Layla is born, um, her mum can't look at her and her mum can't raise her because Layla is the reminder of what happened, which kind of touches on your relationship with your daughter there. And, um, and then the next thing, you know, I mean, not to give too much about from the, the stories away because the books, you know, they, they're on my website. And um, But when you when we start to understand that a lot of people, they don't speak up because, oh, he's a good Christian boy is what was said to me when I was younger. Um, he couldn't possibly have done it. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, and, you know, and these are the things that people don't understand that we that it wouldn't have been him Um, or the fact that so many teenagers, and I'm really glad that you're talking to teenagers because a lot of, um, they don't actually understand um, or they've become desensitized to it that um, if you're drunk and you said no, but it's gone ahead anyway, you said no, it's still rape. And with the increase in date rape drugs um, and 
you know, when it ha happened for me in the, the October, I was so spaced out. I, I have one memory. I remember uh, one point of it. And then I woke up and I was in somewhere I would never have been. And I don't have that memory, but I was so spaced out for about two or three days. Um, and I used to take drugs back in my raving days when I was, you know, late teens, early 20s. So I knew what it was like to take drugs and have a come down. Um, but being given those date rape drugs, they're, they're dangerous. They, uh, and they're so prevalent in universities and in colleges now. But it seems that so many of these teenagers, they're not actually aware that what's happening to them is actually rape. And some of them are being filmed and oh. it's being shared on the internet. And it's like, well, hang on a second. You, we need to raise these, raise the awareness, yes. not only of rape within marriage, but abuse within families. But this is going on in colleges as well. What's the education being given to these kids? both within the education system and within the family home or within their religious groups. So looking at the roadmap for survivors to thrivers, and yes, you mentioned that you've got Clubhouse. So if you send me details of that and we'll put the time zone and because obviously you're in America, we're on different times at the moment um, and my listeners are all around the world. So, um, but when you look at um, the stories that are coming to you through survivors to thrivers, what are the common de the common denominators that you're seeing um, either in the religious group, uh, settings or within the college settings? Well, one of the things that you just mentioned in, in the dynamic of, you know, the person who was sexually abused by her uncle, had he had already um, sexually abused her mother. So the mother is threatened by the truth coming out around her daughter, yep. right? And so the complexity, I think the complexity that, is, that exists is universal. And so many times it's about, um, you know, protecting the person because, oh, well, he's a family member, so we can't bring it out. Or, oh, he's, you know, esteemed in the religious community or, oh, he's a professor or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. standing, there should, there should be no, um, I have found that many times the violator almost creates this uh, persona so they can get away with it. They, they're such a wonderful person. There's no way they could be that. And, and so it's almost like they are, um, they live two lives almost. And so, so I think one of my big mm. about, you know, if someone comes forward, I mean, it is so hard to put voice and so many of us are silenced. And even with the body, a lot of times people will talk about the fact that they almost, they feel it caught in their throat. Um, so back to your body kind of being, having that um, struggle caught wherever it is caught. And mine was my throat, um, my panic attack happened because of somebody, um, and a demonstration actually at work, um, where somebody's arms were kind of held down and I believe I was held down. And so seeing someone else held down triggered that memory for me and my body screamed. Triggered. So one of the things that I'm, I'm very adamant about and I hear other people and, and you're with me around, around this as well as the listening to your body. So I think so many times, a lot of survivors will tell you that they live in their heads and they basically disown the rest of them because it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's not to embody 
your whole your whole it's not safe Mm. absolutely and you're very numb down there and it's you don't like to let other people in and uh, I mean I've been single and celibate now for four years since it happened and it's um, and there's that journey there's that healing journey and it's um, and it has taken a while but when we we say it's not safe I'm not safe and we repeat this and then we go, actually, no, hang on. It wasn't safe. It is safe now because I've learned this lesson. I've learned these, I've gone through this healing. I am safe. I can protect myself. And this is just some of the stuff that I've done. And, you know, I'm now ready. Um, and uh, the, some of the healing methodologies that, you know, like we were discussing, like the DNA and the generational clearing, um, the womb healing, um, there's tantra. Uh, workshops for individuals um, a couple of um, a dear friend of mine recommended somebody called Elspeth and Freddie um, who do the Tantra Nova in the States um, and you know that is about like unnumbing yourself and connecting with self because a lot of the time it's not about what we I mean like you said we we isolate it into our into our mind zone, but then we need to drop down into our heart space and our womb space and actually do the work there. Um, so it is a, sometimes it can, you know, do you find that there are some people like, I just want to get this done. I, I'm just like, I'm such a high achiever. This is the thing I need to do it now. And we're talking about how these, a lot of the perpetrators, they create this, ultimate, this, um, this persona so that they're never considered as the person who could have done this but don't we also as the people who have experienced this on the other side of the coin we create these personas in a lot of ways to protect ourselves from going back there I'm not a victim I am really powerful I am really strong and I, I am going to do it I'm going to heal this really quickly I'm going to do this this this, this. I know I've been there so <laughs> Can you just rip off the baby? Can you just yeah, just, just do the waxing? Um, the answer is no. <laughs> um, but one of the things, like you know, you were talking about this a little bit for me, and this back to what what things are universal? Breath, breathing, and allowing ourselves breath and and relax in the breath to relax. And I mentioned to you before, earlier. I can't remember if it was before we got on or not. Or, um, now while we were talking, but you know, I do meditation and trying to just be able to um, expand my heart space and, and, and expand breath and be able to go back to breath. And I find that breath is a wonderful resource and it's such an easy resource for so many different people. And um, one of the things that we, we try and do is we have a blog that comes out on the first of the month and the 15th of the month. And the first of the month is more of a a written um, sharing. And so it might be that I'm, I'm talking like um, last, last uh, um, uh, November, since it's Thanksgiving here in the States and other countries have Thanksgiving, it's about, about gratitude. And because gratitude can actually be a healing modality. Mm. And so I wrote about, I wrote about the, 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 how hard it is sometimes for us to move to gratitude when we are hurting. And then um, and in the second, in the 15th of the month, come, I come out with different practices to use. And so it's some of the things you're talking about, let's engage other aspects of us. And so the practices could be a breathing gratitude meditation, 
or it could be I actually had um, had them write out a um, acrostic poem, and and that's when you have the the word grateful, and then you kind of write each letter as something, and and even just kind of taking from your head and writing it out actually helps it manifest in your body even more. Sometimes it might be something, some kind of a, a more nature type type things. A lot of us do healing in nature, and so to me. Um, one of the things that I'm really trying to help people with is finding different ways to do their healing work and do it in, in small incremental ways. Because to your point, we want to just say, okay, I got my pen out. I'm ready to start writing that next chapter and just move. But the, but the process is actually, we grow so much and we learn so much by moving through the process. You mentioned the four years you've been through. And so you think about all the... Um, I love the analogy of the butterfly and, and the fact that for a butterfly to come out of its cocoon, um, if you try and tear open the cocoon to help it make it come faster, instead of it yeah. having its way out, you do it damage because then its wings aren't strong enough to fly. Yep. So as we're doing this slow healing and strengthening and growing, we're actually getting ourselves ready to then be able to, to take that next step that we really, that birthing step you were talking about to be able to move into that. So yeah, it would be nice if we could just, you know, again, flip a switch, but the process in and of itself is actually, um, it, can, can, it can be really beautiful. And a lot of times I, I just encourage people to be gentle with themselves. Mm. And that's why it's, it's, that's what, that's why I love doing the one-on-one coaching because then I can help, help move forward, but also create space, that safe space so that, um, so that, that, that deeper healing can work. And again, retreats would be lovely because I also find when we, when I have had retreats back to, we all have different stories, but the kindred spirit, and we just almost find some comfort in, and having other people validate, you know, mm. I thought I was the only one that thought that. So um, there's there's a lot of value in, in community as well. So we try and create a few different ways to to um, nurture that. I like the fact that um, you have this uh, clubhouse and that you're really wanting to build this community and doing the um, the retreats. And I love the emails. Absolutely love the fact that you've got those there. And breath work is something that I've struggled with. Um, I mean, I sometimes like I've been sat next to them like, are you actually breathing? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think, I mean, yep, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. <laughs> but because my breath, like I've been doing a lot of underwater swimming and I do, I've been doing diving. So our breathing is, is a very, well, depending to conserve energy while we're swimming underwater um and so my breathing is very gentle but learning how to rebreathe and get that out of me like and because for those of you who are listening that haven't come across breath work before it's something that I'm really starting to learn more and more about because again with the diving that I'm doing and like that's deep breaths and you know it's underwater that's my meditation I feel so safe underwater um I, I just it's my happy place um 
But when we're taking these deep breaths and filling our lungs and then our um, and our st- stomachs and our the, like the diaphragms and everything, and you know we've got this big belly, and it's like for women that could be quite confronting because the last time we had a belly that big, there was a child in there, you know. And it's like, how do we get it that big? But then when you exhale it, but again with the breath work, you know, like the standing up and putting your arms up and then throwing yourself down to the floor, and you're moving this energy and you're throwing it off you. You know, and then you're doing all this gibberish chanting and just to get this noise. And it's just like, you feel like re- sometimes, I mean, at the beginning, I was like, I'm not going to stand there and do that. Seriously, that's just not very, we're just not going to do that. That's not civilized, is it really? And that, that, I feel really quite daft. And then I met myself, I was like, get over yourself, Dawn. You know, and then it was like, that's just so not British. Um, and, you know, and it's just, then you're looking at how, um, the meditations and surrounding yourselves with these bright lights and you know maybe doing cord cuttings and things like that with the archangel gabriel and archangel michael but one of the things that i'm really liking about the community is the community that i've built um a lot of my books because of the subjects that i write about a lot of them don't get many reviews Mm. but it's the messages that i receive in my inbox from people that have read the books. Um, like you were saying that um, people go, I, did, I thought that I was the only one that thought that, or um, I felt that I had no one would understand what I'd been through, or I had no one to talk to. And um, when they read the books, because we've had to write the books as real life stories, but we've written them as fiction, that's a way of people being able to access the story and access the the fact that they can go on to thrive because all nine of the individuals that I've written about we've all gone on to thrive but we none of us have been dependent on um big pharma or antidepressants or um issues along those lines we've all chosen alternative healing modalities so with me it was like the sailing and the the being out in on the ocean and the diving and the meditations and crystals and womb healing and then with Layla she used art therapy she painted a beautiful life for herself and ended up selling paintings six seven figures um and then with Pandora she's become a free diver um Alpha used social justice movement and created uh, a movement against female genital mutilation and rape within marriage so each of us have used a very different way. And the next book, you know, it goes on to talk about uh, abuse within the faith, but they're all different kinds of abuses that we suffer. Um, and you touched on something um, a short while ago where the abuse is different within each individual. One of them might be, um, might be sexual abuse, but then there's the domestic violence and that manifests itself not just in the physical punching, but there's financial abuse, economic abuse there. There is the social abuse where they isolate you from everybody. And there's the religious abuse where it's like, you know, if you like the Bible says, or the Quran says, or the Torah says that, you know, you have to obey your husband. Yeah, but it also says that the husband's there to protect us. Um, (laughs) You know, and so it's looking at how people manipulate the truth how they manipulate the situation for their own gain, like these abusers that create these alternative uh, personas that could never possibly be there. But when we, you people like yourself, create something as beautiful as a survivors to thrive or community, and you're writing this book, 
and you're giving them a space to breathe. You know, it's so needed and I'm so grateful that there are uh, organisations like yourself. Do you work with other organisations around the world? I would love to do more of that. Um, what I've done so far is mostly local, um, mostly in the, the um, Charlotte is a large city within North Carolina. And, and so most, uh, most of my connections are within, within the state, um, but would love, would welcome to be um, much broader, much, much broader. And, and that's why we love, you know, again, the clubhouse type modalities, because then people can come wherever. Um, but yes, would love to partner, partner more. And, you know, really get the, the message out and continue to, to create again this, this 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 tribe of people. And what I would love is so I have Instagram and Facebook, and I try every day to put out something that's encouraging and something that's and I and I ask questions. I would love for people to start responding to the questions. You know, so that it's not just Tamri's voice that's out there. There's, there's there are other mm. sharing, and I have one woman who is. is doing that more and more but when she told me she said it it felt really vulnerable yeah but put out anything in this forum and and um and oh but wouldn't it be wonderful if you felt so safe we we all feel so safe and these other people finding voice and that's part of it for me because again I believe that I was silenced and uh, I was I was taught to stay small and so I smile to think that where, where I have become, you know, where God has taken me around this, where I have, I have my voice and I'm speaking pretty loudly now around, around this and being an advocate. And I love when you, when you mentioned one of the women in your books, um, she has found advocacy as being one of first, I think again, and, but even people finding voice in small ways, like in the mm. blog, writing down and seeing each other's comments, I would love for more people to begin to feel a sense of community, even kind of virtually in the, you know, you don't, you don't have to even be there all at the same time, but you can read each other's thoughts. So yeah, I, I would love for this to become even greater. Yeah, well, I think that it's really needed. And um, I think that um, one of the things that, well, I don't think I, I know this to be true, that, um, we have been bombarded by the social media platforms that, um, and I remember um, when I was going through uh, what we call the Scotland saga, which is detailed in the book Crossing the Line and the, the book that's uh, going to follow that, because it was it's one book, but we're splitting it into two. Um, people didn't want to hear about the what I went through in Scotland. They didn't want to hear about it. It was just like, it's not happening, it's not happening, it's not happening. And they just kind of isolated it. So the community was there. But it's a feeling that if we talk about it, then when the moment we've spoken about it, it actually becomes true. And that's something that is that vulnerability, uh, where vulnerability is actually a huge strength, um, which I think a lot of people misunderstand. And when we're looking at, okay, I'm not on Instagram to share this story because Instagram is, I mean, I call it Instafake, um, but that's my own thing because people are, um, they're putting out all of these photos and all these great things. It's all very positive. It's all very entertaining. And, you know, again with, I mean, I call it fake book. Um, and it, because I just, you're only getting a snapshot of somebody's life. 
Um, and people can hide behind the photos and they can hide behind the Facebook um, posts. And it's only when you actually have the um, these private groups. And one of the things that is coming up for me that I want to ask you about is your clubhouse, because you can join any group on clubhouse at any given moment. So the ladies that are joining you um, within that group, I find them very inspiring already. And I've not even met them because they're showing up in an open forum and an open platform to discuss this, knowing that anybody, perpetrator, prosecutor, uh, police officer, family member can join. So for you to have that space for them, um, whether they join and just stay silent, whether they join and engage, that is such a vital step in their healing process. Um, and it took me a long time to even be able to admit to myself what had happened, even though I was living it and even though I was hard to walk and I was taking these anti-HIV tablets one every day for a month. Um, every time I took one of those tablets, it was a reminder of what happened. And I, I could not wait to get to the end of that dose of tablets. Um, but it was when you, when you then go and share your story, like you have so bravely done and so many other people, um, the people that have spoken up in the media and those that created the Me Too movement. And, you know, I, I just find that the more of us that come together and talk about this and make it an awareness um, and we join forces around the world, then there is no dark, there's no space the darkness can hide. Yes. You know, it's interesting. I, I named my book Awakening the Light because... I noticed it in the background. I'm getting to that in a second. <laughs> I want to I shine light on this topic. You know, mm. I want for us to, yeah, to be able to look at it and, and like you said, have it permeate some of those dark corners and, and have others feel the, the, the positive light on, on them and then mm. awakening the light. And I think a lot of times some of us have our lights almost snuffed out. It never quite goes away though. And I think that's the thing I would want people to always know too, is that light, there's, it's almost like a pilot light. It's always yeah. kind of coming and you just, we're going to put that little spark on there and awaken that. And so, um, yeah, I just feel like the more we can have people like you and me who can have, have honest conversations say, yes, it, it's been hard and wow, how freeing it is. There's freedom on the oh. other side. And that's what I want. Of, and because it, it can be hard going. And so people, mm -hmm. a lot of times, and when I do, when I, um, when I wrote the book, I've got a certification in change management from my corporate days. And, and I use some of those principles because change management, basically you have to be uncomfortable enough with your current state to want to mm -hmm. go. And so it's really a matter of you know, this stuckness, this being stuck in survivor mode. Let's get real about how, uncomfortable and confining it is and then you know the book and kind of some of the things I do will help you move to that new state and then let's look at those things that can help support you in that new state because that's another thing is because you don't want to split back and so let's talk about those practices that you're mm. going to employ to help you kind of maintain that path let's talk about the people that you want around you and it may be that you have people in your life and it may be that 
again, the clubhouse survivors to thrivers, it's called Survivor Saturdays, or the, the tribe we're building within survivors to thrivers. Maybe that's one of your one of your pillars that you kind of can surround yourself, but recognizing. So anyway, I that's I, I absolutely want to try and yeah, both awaken the light broadly around this topic, but then especially in each individual. Beautiful. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Um, and again, it's a difficult to, subject to talk about for a lot of people. And it's a lot of, it can be very difficult for some people to actually listen to because again, they would rather it not be there. But um, the more we, we support each other and the more we, we, you know, we speak about these subjects, the more that that pilot light can start growing and you know the more that we we feel safe to step outside the front door because a lot of people do feel I mean I know that I did it was like it's safe inside I would never go outside at night um, or if I was going out I would only go to a cafe um, and I wouldn't go anywhere where there was alcohol and I wouldn't go anywhere where um, it was too far away from home or I'd go and it, and it was so interesting and when I look back now at the small baby steps that I've taken um, and the people that I've started to surround myself with and when people have read the book they're like oh my gosh it happened to you and I'm like yeah happens to a lot of us you know and I think one of the biggest things that um, and I don't know if this is something that you you, you, um, you speak to but the um, when we know that uh, that the one in three women are raped, when you look at your girlfriends or you look at the people that you know, if you were to just get them all in a room and then divide them into, that's a lot of people. That's 75% of women that have admitted to it. And that's not just admitted to it publicly, but admitted it to themselves. And I think that we need to, we've got a lot of work to do in this world. And it's only by people like yourself writing books like The Awakening, The Light and creating, you know, the survivors to thrivers and doing the work that you do. When we all come together, um, then we can hopefully bring that figure down and actually start making the big change in the world. I believe so. So I wanted to read you something real quick. If you Ooh. Um, it's out of the book. So this is the book. Um, nice. But um, what I try to do is I try to have encouragement quotes as well as I have like breathing pauses. I've got all kinds of different mm -hmm. tools. So one quote I have is with each raised voice and each healed heart, we begin to change the culture that silences innocent victims. We stop the shame, secrecy, and silence and promote hope, healing, and health. Beautiful. I know that's what your hope is for your mm. for all your all your audience members. What a beautiful way to end! Thank you so much. And all of the way, um, just so that everybody knows, all of Town Breeze uh, contact details and where you can connect with her, how you can purchase her book, will be in the show notes. Um, and uh, you will be able to listen to this on all the platforms. Well, you're already listening to it on all the platforms. What am I talking about? Um, but yes, just thank you so much for joining us, Tambri, and I wish you the very best of luck. Um, and if you could just stay with me for a few more moments after I stop recording and uh, take care of yourselves, everybody. And if you are wanting to reach out, then reach out because there is somebody that's going to be there that will listen to you.
Thank you so much. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Truth Serum Podcast. You can follow Dawn directly through her Instagram account, instagram.com forward slash real Dawn Bates. This is an invitation only podcast. That said, if you would like to speak with us or come on the show, please send an email through hello at dawnbates.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Remember to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Sharing is caring, so share away. Until next time, folks, grab a good book, see a sunset, and expand your knowledge and experience.